So you're a fan of Atlanta United. And you heard ATL on Fire has crazy insights to your favorite team. Or maybe you're just here for the crazy. Amar said it? You've got to be kidding me. Nah, I'm here to produce, keep the sanity, and of course, drink wine. Or maybe to hit the buttons. And crank up the crazy. Whatever you're here for, we're going to talk about it all. I'm Dave Cass. I'm Mikey Dobbs. And I'm Carmen Butler. And this is... The ATL on Fire Podcast Show. Everybody, Dave, we're, we're starting the show. Oh, hey, sorry. everybody, welcome back <laughs> to another episode of ATL on Fire, the podcast where we talk all things Atlanta United and all things soccer, footy, whatever. I didn't know we were starting. We're starting. <laughs> sorry, that, that whole initialized thing it, it's oh, kind of okay. stressful. In yeah, this, it has me, threw me for a loop. I was tricked too. So, uh, Dave, Carmen, how's everybody doing this evening? Good. Is it a Monday? Are we on our it's Monday? Monday. We're back, Monday. baby. Yes. Yeah, right, right on schedule. And we are uh, celebrating Greg Burhalter's <laughs> reappointment with a nice bottle of wine. Dave, okay. That I, that Here I, was the bet. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> maybe Carmen would tell us. <laughs> the question was whether they would dare to reappoint Burhalter, and I said they might, and you said no way, and they said well. If, I'll bet you a bottle of wine. You said, okay. But I said, if if <laughs> if they lose, if I lose the bet, no, if I win the bet, then I get the great bottle of wine, I'll chug it because I'll be so depressed. <laughs> yeah. So now, now I'm standing here and I'm like, we got this fantastic, tell us about the wine. Yeah, it's a Barolo from, uh, I believe, Damalino. I'm not even going to try the other word here. But uh, yeah, very, very fruity. Uh, Kind of, you stole my word. I had a word. I was going to say fruity. It is fruity. You can, ah. it, it's, Do y'all see the movie Sideways when it's in wine country and he's like, a freaking Merlot? <laughs> <laughs> That's where I'm going to be. I'm going to be drinking this Barolo. So yeah, what, what is it? How is it described by the, the tag there? Juicy red with dried strawberry and orange peel as well as cedar and spice undertones. You know when they say undertones, then you know it's going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> well it is good it i don't know nice. a lot about wine so, but i know this is good i knew that i was gonna win anyway because now we have to drink a nice bottle of wine <laughs> i gotta not chug that we it though don't. that's not right <laughs> <laughs> all right we're gonna move on and uh yeah so the other thing uh shout out to wild heaven beer our sponsor um actually was talking to uh, Hayden at the uh, Avondale States location about maybe doing a Women's World Cup uh, episode live out on the patio again. Right on. I know work has gotten in the way of our schedules to be able to do that for the Vietnam and or the Netherlands game. Right. Which are, would be great ones to do it on. But I think if we can't do it those nights, let's... Good let's morning, keep- Vietnam. Great movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we start with Vietnam. Yeah. Then the Dutch. Yep. So Wild Heaven Brewery, though, even though we can't go there those nights. uh, Just because we can't go there doesn't mean you can't. That's right. Get yourself there. Absolutely. Yeah. And we'll we'll meet you there. So, yeah, the rest of the agenda (laughs) for this evening, um, I'm going to get into a little bit of a rant of all the drama that everybody's probably seen in the news. We're going to go tactical board. What news? We're going to (laughs) recap. the last two games, Philadelphia and Montreal, two wins, kind of unexpected wins. So happy about that. 
Didn't we say they were only going to get four points in the next five games? Yeah. <laughs> no, and they, they, All right. So, you know how last time at the beginning of the season, I went to try to figure out, you know, our predictions and I couldn't find anything we got wrong. Here's something we got really yeah, wrong. I would say we got that real wrong. Yeah. We said they weren't going to get four points in the next five games or six yeah. games. Yeah. They've got six points in the first yeah. two. This is true. What? And uh, yeah, very much enjoyed the Philadelphia game in person. So that was a good one. We'll get to it. But before that, um, you know, before the podcast, we're all trying to figure out uh, the news behind the Abara loan mm. that uh, was announced kind of mysteriously. Um, and the fact that Mascara is also coming back off of a loan that was mutually terminated. But as Dave and I were discussing, it's obvious <laughs> that it was kind of a, a one way termination um, that. But it also seems like there are plans for him to be available for starting. and Yeah, he's available. Yeah. You're not going to play because he's not good. Well. <laughs> but he's uh, available. They it sure, was mutually. <laughs> they certainly were acting like it. Uh, they, I know they, uh, play, they play those cards. but yeah. Okay, so Mascara came back. That created four U22 Yeah, so just spots. like yeah. to pause, right? So there's, yeah, a, there's an initiative in the MLS that – it's called the U22 initiative, right? And I think you can only have three players that uh, qualify there. And I think it's a way to attract young players and uh, get higher transfer fees for those. Like a Sosa was a good example of that where it came mm -hmm. in at age 22. You have to be a full full year at 22 in the club when you're signed. Mm. Uh, you can only have three active on your roster, as I understand it. Yep. Um, but you can also pay their salary up to like 750000 at that, which is a pretty attractive wage for yeah, a Yeah, an incentivizer. Yes. So whatever. It's an incentivizer. I don't know why there's a cap on it, but there is. <laughs> it's only three. Um, and somehow we were not able to to – deal out eric lopez who's one of our under <laughs> somehow 22. because nobody wants him <laughs> yeah somehow i don't but so i also that's where i'll stop there if he's so bad yeah why don't we just can't we just terminate it no like, you can't terminate someone's contract can't just drop them from the roster no that's illegal <laughs> i mean now you cannot you know make it like difficult can't you, you like can't you get them to a usl team for like nothing like there's got to be somebody who'll take them at a ridiculous offer right maybe but then then you're stuck paying their wages and yeah there's we a are stuck paying his wages though right yeah no well, he's on our team yeah <laughs> so it's even worse so okay. paying his wages and he's on our team he's so bad we can't can't find anybody to take him no. for a dollar no we can't okay sosa is the other one we obviously like sosa but it's strange that they decided to deal uh abara given pineda's preference Towards Ibarra over Sosa. Yeah, right? on this thing, I said that Sosa was gone, right? You know, on the po last podcast, yeah. because it seemed like, okay, that left. You couldn't get rid Nobody was going to buy Lopez alone or take him on a loan. So it was either Ibarra or Sosa. And you figure, okay, well, Pineda clearly mm -hmm. prefers Ibarra. I think he's nuts. But let's, he clearly prefers Ibarra. So you figure Sosa was gone. And yeah. yet, no. <laughs> yeah. now, the the real rub here though is the way that is obviously handled both with the player and the fans i don't understand how our new gm or uh, president uh garth, garth allows that allows that to happen is that excusable 
Because, I mean, you at least, like, even Abara's point, like, at least give them, like, a weak heads up, right? Yeah, they should have been able to yeah. do that. They should have sat them all down, you know, and said, look, you know, this is happening. We're going to have one of too many, and somebody's going to have to go. Right. You know, even if you don't say anything specifically to Ibarra. Right. So somebody knows that. Somebody knows that the shoe's about to drop. Now, it was on social media. We kind of knew about it. So you got to figure maybe they knew about it, too. But nevertheless, you would think, those, they would be yeah. more forthcoming. I mean, a lot of those players. guys are just focused on training and don't understand all the crazy MLS rules that right. are impossible to understand. They're just there to play ball. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, should, should have realized that. But, obviously, like, 24-hour notice to know you're moving to Canada in a different country just doesn't right. seem like the right <laughs> approach as a professional what? organization to both the player yeah. and the fans to, you know, see what's Fair. going on. Fair. I so, agree. Do better. It it was it came off really badly. It was really bad publicity for the club. It, we just don't look good. Yeah, and it just it also just itches at why the complexities in the MLS. It just <laughs> it makes an already difficult um, you know league that's in the wrong time of year. Well, I have again some sympathies caps. for the complexities in the MLS because all of that was designed to protect the league as it was going to grow because, you know, the NASL had folded. ML- MLS honestly almost went under even after they started. You know, they had a few teams that contracted. You know, all the Florida teams disappeared off the face of the earth. You know, there was a bunch of it was rocky, right? So all of that probably protected the league. Now, obviously, at this point, MLS ain't going under, right? Yeah. MLS, and so you know what? What you the critique would be here, not that those rules existed, but that why not really be a little more aggressive and relaxing them at this point? Yeah, I, I think now with the messy situation, him coming over, that that has to be the next big thing. There has to be an additional fourth DP that's added to teams. Salary cap increases. Well, Miami already has six DPS. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, seriously, though, yeah. like, yeah. so, so they had DPs and then they already had three DPs and then they're messy and then they have Busquets and Jordi Alba, right? And you're and, like, and Pesueza, what's his name? You're like, no, Pizarro was on, Piz- he's on Piz- the team. Pizarro, no, Pizarro. They're going to get rid of him. They have yeah, well, him. they got rid of him, but, but at the moment, eh, as far as anybody can tell, they have six designated players. Right. So what's up with that? <laughs> Uh, and this is a team, I don't know if you recall, but there was a team that was cheating against the rules. Do you remember that yeah, team? Uh-huh. Do you know what team that was? Miami. Miami. With our previous so, uh, GM. <laughs> with, our, with, our, with our old GM, yeah. Mm. Well. So, yeah, what gives on that? Now, what's good for the league is good for the league. <laughs> all right. Six designated players for all. So, Dave, I we don't have a, a, a little jingle yet, but... When are we going to go tactical board? What do you want to talk about on the tactical well, you haven't, board? I thought we were going to go. I mean, so you haven't finished the, the transfer. You didn't talk about Gutman. Uh, yeah, well, it's sad. I forgot. Did we not <laughs> Did we not talk about it in the last podcast? Was that? No. Okay, that yeah, happened came after. Yeah, yeah, it came right after. Okay, yeah. so good point. So Gutman's gone. We are saying whatever moves are coming or whatever plays we have can fill the left back position, which we obviously have Wiley. Yeah. Um, does, but do we really... I mean, no. we'll get into a minute in a tactical board. But does anybody really think that Wiley is a defender? Certainly not as a four in the back. He's a right? great player. Yeah. But yeah, he's not that. a defender. Yeah, so he did, does fine in this five in the back system. Yeah, I he's think. a winger. Yeah, he's a good winger. 
So is Lennon. We'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. But, but you know, that's interesting, <laughs> right? So you you don't have anybody who can play left back in a standard four, right? I mean, they may think Wiley can, but he can't. Um, so, and you don't have any, you know, we want to have two players basically at every position, right? In case there's whatever. Now you can argue maybe Hernandez can play there. Maybe Abram is capable of playing there in a pinch or whatever, but we really don't have anybody. Right. So. Yeah. Why? Oh, uh, the why is because we're, yes, mo- we're moving to five in the back for the rest of the season. It has to be the plan. But how could that have been? Like, it only made that I'm one, just one the game. Answer. I don't <laughs> one know. Game. One game. Do you agree, though? Do you, we're probably going to see five in the back. Now the you have to. You don't yes, have a choice. Right. Absolutely. You do not have a choice. Because now I'm sure Pineda will think he has a choice and he'll because he thinks that Wiley can play in a back four. He cannot. Right. So um, I don't think we have a choice but to play five in the back. We have to. We'll get okay. to it in a second in the technical well, board. Another thing with, like, the Gutman and the Ibarra thing, and I – how can the coach not see these grenades coming too? It's almost as if like Pineda and DeBoer even back in the day were like, are like getting the news like <laughs> the same time yeah, we are. Yep. Hey, you know, it's like I get it that it can't be that premature because you don't want them to stop. I'll fo- give you one focusing. word with three syllables. Okay. Blindsided. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, they, they seem like they have no idea. Right, so, and they don't have a say in it whatsoever. Right. Now, do I think that Pineda should have a say in it? No, because I don't think he makes good decisions. But that being said, it's a little disconcerting that your coach has zero say in the transfer policy. But, and my, my question, I tagged Taylor Twelman, who wasn't going to answer me, but I was like, does this happen at other clubs? <laughs> right. Like, is this that is, or is this pretty common where there's that much of a void of, like the the coach. There's really certainly the mind. modern team with the you know a true sort of general manager means that a lot of these clubs have one person or a board that's in charge of signings that's independent of the coach. That being said, though, they're still consulting with the coach. Yeah. Right. Because. Yeah, and I mean, it sounds like I mean Pineda is saying all things. He's like, I'm always in constant communication with Bocanegra and the things that like that's what he's saying. But then I don't get the feeling that. They're at least, again, a week or two ahead being like, hey, we're thinking about options for Ibarra given the pinch we're in with the U22. So <laughs> is it going to be Sosa or Ibarra? Like, maybe you don't have a, an opinion in that, right? Like, you get what you get, but just let them know. Yeah. It doesn't sound like they know. Like, in- I mean, you would think he would at least be on the same page where he could be like, even if it's a lie, that yes, you know, Sosa's my guy. I want mm-hmm. to keep him. Right. <laughs> you can fake it. Fake it. Yeah. Like, come on. Um, so, and then you haven't talked about the new French player. He's, you know, I listened to an interview with him today. He's ah. he's going to come in as a, you know, a midfielder that'd be playing in what uh, Pineda said would be a double pivot, assuming with Sosa or... Uh, Hosetu or Sadich, right? Like he's got a partner with one of those three in a double pivot, which I don't really get. Um, he doesn't look like a defensive midfielder to me at all. I haven't really seen him. Like, maybe I'm thinking that. I mean, there's so little clips, so maybe, but. He yeah. said in the interview, like in his last role, he's playing more of an eight. Yes. Okay. Well, and he doesn't look like an eight to me at all. Right. What he looks like to me is an attacking midfielder who can tackle. Right. You right. know who's an attacking midfielder who can tackle? Fred. Fred. 
Oh, yeah. He's like the classic version of this. So Fred is a pretty good attacking midfielder. He's not a great passer the ball, but he'll pop up and score some goals. And when you play him in front of Casemiro, for example, in Man United, he's absolutely brilliant because now you have one guy reading the game, another guy just all out flying around and getting tackles in. Right. That works. That's what I said we should have with, been doing all the time with, with Sosa and Ibarra yeah. because Ibarra has a lot of that in his game, yeah. right? This guy is clearly an Ibarra. Right. Right now he looks like he's got more creativity to his to his forward play yeah. but it but some of the clips I mean in one game's worth of clips I saw him back heel the ball, he flicked it, you know, yeah. he made a run out wide like none of that says 8 or 6 or you know defensive midfield it's, what yeah. it says is a creative player who can get a tackle in. Mm. So but is was he at least part of the a borrow replacement plan? I, like I a, mean, like a direct decision that he's an upgrade? Well, we're going to get, just, maybe that should send us right to the tactical board because what's going to happen when we have to play five is it makes us make a choice. So you want to talk about that? Let's do it. All Let's right. talk about the formation uh, and the tactical nervous. board. The one thing we didn't do. This is where Mikey Dobbs is going to give you the, you know, the uh, tactical board jingle. Got to hit the blue share button okay. there. Yeah. Tactical board. <laughs> Tactical board. Here we go. All right. Hey, let's share this bad boy. All right. Here All right. he comes. Elliot's got some questions on the oh, thing, too. So I we'll have to. No, it doesn't matter. So, Carmen, how's the leg doing? Doing the agility, agility ladder at PT the other day. Nice. Agility ladder. Yeah. All right, tactical man. All right, now it's somewhere up here, right? Like this one? Yeah. Okay. All right. Ooh, I like the new angle on the tactical board. Yeah, we're going uh, the vertical. Well, it's like Star Wars, you know, at the beginning where it fades. <laughs> I like it. All right, so here's the thing. So as soon as you play with three in the back, Mikey Dobbs, right? Now, three in the back, five in the back. It's really, it's a three in the back with two wingers, right? It's five in the back defensively and three in the back when we go forward, right? This is a classic, you know, thing to do. But so as soon as you play with three in the back, right, it makes you make choices, right? And I'm going to show you the kind of choices that we have, right? So um, the first thing is, the only reason to play three in the back, really, is if you are going to use those three aggressively to win the ball. Because you now, most teams are playing like one up top in the middle. Maybe they're playing, you know, three across the front, but most teams are playing one across in the, one in the middle. So you got like a three V one in the middle, yeah. right? Um, and, and this is going to become a problem for us all the time because if teams play three in the front, right, then what could happen is you could have 3v3, right? It could be, in this case, we're showing Abram, Parata, and Hernandez because um, Robinson hasn't been available, but obviously Robinson plays one of these roles when he comes back from, from Gold Cup, and we'll switch that out in a second. I'll, sh I'll go into that. But the bottom line is that, you know, if you're going to play three in the back, you've got to be able to win the ball up the field. And one of the things that's happened already is that our three in the back – Nobody knows who to match up with, 
right? Because, for example, you know, if their forward comes up the line, right, you know, if this guy is here, you would think that's got to be Abram, right? Mm -hmm. That's not what it's been. He yeah. has not left that position. He has been staying in here to protect the middle. And you know who was covering this position mostly in this last game? I'm going to guess Sosa. Nope. Okay, Wiley. Wiley. Nope. Oh, Parata. No. I don't know. Believe it or not. Oh, look at him. Say that's okay. what that was responsible for that. Okay. They had Sosa staying in the middle and they had a Marcetic tracking out wide. You know, does that recall something for you? How mm -hmm. we used to do that? Yeah. And and the problem with that, of course, is that, you know, so you win the ball here and right, and then who is there to play to? Right? But okay. Um Almada. <laughs> and by the way, there's your answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so this this is the biggest problem I have actually with the five in the back is Almada. Right? Because so Almada actually, of course, he's been our best player, right? No, no doubt about that. He's been one of the best players in the MLS, right? Almada has looked really good in here, in the middle part of the field, right? Yeah. He has looked a lot less effective when he's out here, mm -hmm. right? So the first thing that's, that happens is you say, like, well, in a perfect world, you know, we should be playing with some kind of formation of three midfielders, whether it's a double pivot with Almada in the front like that, Right? Um, or whether it's even um, Sadich with only one as a defensive midfielder like that. But anyway, that's that's Almada's best role. And one of the things I have said over and over and over and over and over, when you're a coach, you start with your best player, right? You're like, okay, first let's maximize our best player. Yeah. So the pr one problem that we're going to have is the back five does not maximize Almada because – if, if you do this, right, so if Almada plays in here, right, then there is a possibility you could do it, right? You could actually play with two strikers. You could have Almada sort of playing right off the front of, oh, hopefully this would be Gigi and not Barry. <laughs> but, but whatever it is, you could be playing right off the front of him. But if that's the case, then you're not playing three in the in the in the middle anymore unless it's completely unbalanced what you're probably doing is one of these guys come in the middle like this okay. right so you need another center midfielder right so what happens in that case is it's no longer wolf and the only other center midfielder would be Josetu now mm -hmm. now obviously you might be thinking wait a second there is a good new center midfielder who plays sort of an attacking defensive role, right? The new French guy. And that's my, what, that may be the logic that they're thinking that he can do that. Yeah. Right. But the problem with any combination like this, where Amada plays in the middle, then you're only playing two at strikers. And now you have Etienne, Chol, Wolf, Barry, and, uh, and Gigi for one spot. Right. Yeah. So this is a big problem, right? Our team is clearly meant to play three up front. And so what's going to happen is, I mean, hopefully this is not very, we'll just give us the benefit of the doubt, <laughs> but in Papa Giorgio, right. Let's move him out for a second, get back to it. So it's going to look some combination like this. And my first problem with the back and the five is that it's going to tend to push Almada out wide. And I don't think Almada is as good out wide as he is in the middle. What do you think? Because right now he's been playing this role as one of these guys because we haven't had – he's been playing here. We've only had 
two in the center back, right? And then what we've had another forward like this, right? So yeah. that's the role he's been playing where he's really been thriving. I think with Gigi in and him being even out left, he's good enough to be very effective there between his passing skills to... Well, clearly he's good enough, but yeah. is it his best spot on the no. field? No. no. And do you want your best player not playing I, in the best spot? I agree. It's, it's not designing around Almada. Yeah. Um, so that's a problem. Okay. So, but let's say, I mean, I, I think that that's a given. If if you're going to play, uh, I think if you're going to play five in the back, then it has to become a model like that. And this could be Wolf or Etienne, right? Or whatever. There's some, some flexibility there. But okay. So if that's the case, the next problem that you have that we had, you know, remember with uh, DeBoer and we kept... Uh, I called it the DeBoer cha-cha-cha because, like, we would play four in the back and we would score goals but give up a ton. Then he would go to five in the back and we couldn't – we got shutouts all the time but we couldn't score, right? And it was just back and forth. He just kept adjusting and adjusting and adjusting, and I feel like we're headed there, right? Because the problem with this formation is if you play three in the front, now you leave two on an island in the middle, right? So if you have two on an island in the middle, what you need – is a defensive midfielder who's spectacular, right? And you need another midfielder who can both play the ball and who can defend. Now, it looks to me like that's what they bought. So That's the partner. What was the starting lineup against Philadelphia? We played five in the back for the first time all season, right? Correct. We looked the best we've looked all season. Yes. Mm -hmm. So what's working, though, in your mind with this change? Well, certainly defensively it's working. We'll get yeah. to that in a second, right? We, we haven't given up a goal since we've got... Yeah, we scored two, two fabulous goals, too. Well, we scored one fabulous goal. That, that last Individual goal... Individual player move. That on. last goal that we scored is... I, I think, you know, we may have talked about the... You know, Lennon gets open on the right. He puts it right through the goalkeeper's uh, legs from an acute angle. If that's Andre Blake, there's no way that's yeah, a goal. Yeah, but it was still, you know... Yeah. it's still a clear-cut chance it wasn't like yeah we created we chance. chances yeah. we did chance, yeah. we really did we created chances i'm not i'm not gonna you know i'm not trying to be a debbie downer here yeah. um we created chances but that's what happened with deboer and then as we got as the other teams adjusted to this and started overloading the midfield we gave up we got less and less chances we couldn't get up the field anymore we right did, and that did, could happen we didn't have almada and Gigi though well, as far as like true, I mean, yeah, I, fair, I think no, fair, in fair. the in, yeah, in we, had already, two positions, we had already lost Almiron, particularly right? if yeah. you're talking about playing them almost both as strikers, right? Like we had Joseph Martinez at his prime and he was scoring goals, buckets of goals the first season under DeVore. But anyway, that, that, that's neither here nor there, I think. Um, but 2019, that's in, that's the spring that he got. ACL, right? No, the first season under DeBoer, he was oh, the yeah. leading scorer two, in the 2019. Whole league. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um. So anyway, you're going to have to play with two in the center of the park, right? And most teams are going to play some version of three, right? They're going to be playing three in the center of the park, and so we're going to get overloaded in the middle. Now, obviously, Muyamba, right? He looks like an all-action guy. He looks like he's made to play that role. Right. So, you know, maybe. But that means that Sadich is going to be, you know, on the bench. It means that Josette is going to be on the bench. And that could be okay. If Mayumba can really 
link a pass, play an attacking midfielder, and also get a tackle in in front of Sosa, it might be enough. This this could work. So who else are we going to bring? We have another designated player spot. We've got some like TAM openings as well. Like so, yeah. we, whether it's a full DP contract or uh, you know a Moreno replacement, right? That's you know going to get paid good money. What do you think we're going to do to shore up the midfield here? Yeah, or, or, or defense or left back or wh- well. Whatever. So there's a thing. So where is you know? So we are now. What I would say is absolutely committed to a back five, right? Because we can't, you know, I don't think, in my opinion, I don't think Wiley can be a back in a back four like this. Now, obviously, this would be Miles, right? But um, I don't think this defensively is good enough because I don't think Wiley and Lennon, you know, we just go back to the same so, problem we were having. Yeah. But we have, like, three other signings that are coming, right? Yeah, okay. So, so, but I think we're committed with, with what we're going on at the left back, we're committed to a five, right? So presumably it's going to be this, and we'll get to this in a second. But it's going to be a five. So, okay, that's great. And the one thing I'll say about the five, Wiley and Lennon are absolutely made for this five. Right. Both of them can really go up and down the field. They can defend when they have help behind them in the middle, right? And they're very dangerous like this. They are made for a five. Well, that's the other thing I was saying is different. You not only have two of the top players in MLS that can score with Almada and Gigi. You got Wiley and Wolf who can score too and, and mm-hmm. bring something to the table. Or, or Wolf and whatever mix of other options with Etienne and Chol based on, based on minutes. And, and But here's the problem. So the rumor is that we're buying a designated player who is a winger of some kind. Right now, if you play a winger in this, then what it means is that they have to be an attacking winger. So what would be this player here? Right. So Wolf would be off. Right. And it would be designated player here. Right now, if we have a really amazing designated player, then that becomes an amazing front line. Right. You give you that. But the problem is you're now completely reliant on Muyamba to be amazing otherwise you have all three of these strikers and they never get the ball because you get dominated in midfield well, what if you get another moreno level i mean pay wise right mm-hmm. at like a, a million dollar a, a year salary somebody else in the midfield who's better than who's that too better than moyamba and better than uh Sage. yeah so we could be buying a amazing designated player who we, we've been talking about we should it, buy. no i'm right? sa- i'm saying keep the designated player Fine, but also now you can we can also sign as somebody else in the midfield. Is my point? That's an upgrade. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Now if you can do that, then more power to you. Then then it suddenly makes some sense. Like Moyamba's the depth there. Yeah, for sure. But the question is, you think we can? We're still going to buy an amazing decent player winger, and we still can get a great center midfield. We should be able to. Yeah, and and. Carlos Bogenegger kind of gave the nod to that. And even if it's not a true designated player, two high-quality, like, TAM-level players. That would be incredible because I just don't think Mayamba, given the keys to the center midfield, is going to be the guy. Yeah. I just don't, right? I think that that's a big risk for a guy who has never played a minute with us, doesn't really look like, you know, tremendous, you know, Guy on the ball, possession-wise. He looks like his passing is very aggressive, right? Like he's an attacking midfielder who makes tackles, 
Mm-hmm. You know, a Fred like I, Fred gives away the ball a lot, right? Because yeah. he try. I mean, he makes some spectacular yeah. passes up front too, right? But um, you know, Abara is a little bit like that too. Abara gives up the ball a lot. We haven't talked yeah. about him versus Sosa, but anyway. So the other problem I have, right, is regardless of all this, we're going to play five in the back. Clearly, we're committed to that. Right. So God help us if we lose Wiley because we got nothing there. But here's the other problem I have. Right. So first, there's two problems I have. First of all, these three, if they play all in the center. Right. We go back same back to the problem that we had. And you could see it in the Philadelphia game as the game wore on. You know who was wide open here? Bedoya. I mean, Bedoya is not exactly like the fastest, youngest guy anymore. He was killing us at the end of that game. He was wide open. They were finding him all the way out here. Parata, uh, actually, it was not. It was um, Abram, but Abram was staying in here. Parata was in here, and we were asking. It was Sadich in that game, right? We were asking Sadich to try to get there. He never got there. Yeah. Right. And he, so Bedoya had all day to service a couple of balls. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you, I go back to my notes in this game. There was, what minute was? Um, um, so anything left? On- 51st minute, right? Even with the center backs, they were slacking off, which enables Philly to find Bedoya completely wide open. He cuts in and just misses a goal at the far post. Would have been the same exact goal we've been conceding all year, even with the back, with the front, the middle three. Didn't change anything. So that's the first problem. Here's the second problem, right? The second problem that we have is, all right, who are the players? So obviously, Miles is one of them, right? Assuming that he's not gone, right? But Miles has to be one of the three, right? For sure, mm-hmm. right? So one would think. Right, so who are you going to pick? Are you going to pick Parata, Abram, or Hernandez? Two of those three. What do you think? Well, Parata, I think, yeah. is first choice, right? Okay, then, for then, sure. Then the question is, is it Abram or Hernandez? Okay, who do you think? Um, I think he goes with Abram. Am I guessing what he says or what I would do? Yeah, what's your question? Either what I way. Would do? Give me what you would do. I would do, what, I think I would do what you have out there right now. Yep, yeah. same. With Hernandez. Me too. Same. I think that Parata and Hernandez are both better than Abram. But here's the problem. So Parata's looked pretty good in these last two yeah, games. You know why he's stuff. looked good? Because he actually is not very aggressive getting up the field, but he actually is pretty good when he's the free middle guy. Mm. Right? So he's been the middle guy in these last things. Right? So so the obvious thing would be keep him as the middle guy. Right? But if yeah. you keep him as the middle guy, where does Miles go? Yeah. You want to move Miles to the left and Hernandez to the right? Or you could switch them. But in either case, so the problem with this, so even if you go this or something, right? My problem with this is that who's the fastest guy in the back line? Well, Hernandez in this scenario. This oh, sorry, Miles, so, so, Miles. sorry, Miles. Miles yeah. by yeah. far Miles is by super far, yeah. fast. Yeah. And who reads the game the best out of all those guys? Yeah, Miles. Miles. Same. So when you have the guy who's the fastest and who reads the game, you want to put him here, right? So now Parata is going to be one of the other guys. I don't think he's as good at that way. Because what happens with these guys is they get caught, you know, out here in a more 1v1 kind of situation. Sorry. Right? Whereas, you know, right now, Parata has been mostly the free guy. Yeah. 
He's been terrific as the free guy, but I'm not really sure he's the best so matching maybe, up. So yeah, maybe they'll they'll put him in the center, and Miles is fine to the right or left. Like I'd put him out to. The I left. think that's a better scenario is to leave him here, right? And I mean, Miles has well, no problem with that one. And, one. and I, I would flip it with Hernandez here. And yeah, put sure. Hernandez on the right. But I Doesn't think matter. I think what you're also saying, which is good about this, would Abram looks good in the Parata role if he needs, you know, gets injured or there's. There's cohesion there. I don't think Abram is as good as Parata, and I don't think he's capable of playing that center yeah. role. No, I don't. Um, but the other thing, the, the bottom line is one of the problems that I have with the five is that you still haven't fixed, you know, the matchup problem, right? We still have these three guys, and we did much better because at least now we have three in the back. We never get caught with only two in the back. Or last year, sometimes yeah. one in the back, right? But my problem is they're still not good about matching up. Now, when when Robinson is there, he's much better because he's super aggressive. He wins the ball up the field, right? But there's still this, like, I don't know who should take whatever. Now, that being said, <coughs> right, one thing that's happened with our with our front, with our three in the back for the first time all season in the last two games, we've won the ball occasionally up the field, right? Yeah. That is incredibly important, right? We haven't been doing that all year. It's been my number one problem, right? But I still, the problem I have is with all of the good things that we have, we still don't have this guy marked up out here. Yeah. Right? right. Why? With well, three in the back, we should have him marked up, right? But at least, hopefully, if they see that, they can correct it. If they see that. they. Uh, so, first of all, I don't think that they that they really understand the strengths and weaknesses of Parata and, and Miles, right? I suspect that what's going to happen is Parata is going to go here and Miles is going to go here, right? And I think nobody has realized that Parata is really good in the center role. That's his best role, Yeah. right? Um, so I think they're going to get that wrong. I think that they think that Ab- Abram is better than Hernandez. I think they might get that wrong, right? You might see that, Yeah. right? And that, that is not nearly as good in the back three. And Abram and Parata, you know, they should be able to, but um, they don't match up that well. Even when they match up pretty well, sometimes up the field they're okay matching up. But this is a huge problem still, right? We Still with the, with the back three, we don't have anybody going to close down that rollout wide. So anybody who thinks that suddenly we're going to get a lot of shutouts, right, I think we're still going to give up that soft goal. Now, granted, once they're out wide, you have at least three guys in the back. So they're at least serving the ball into a crowded box. Well, that's what's happened. You know, it's like this, but. But overall, like, yeah, there was, there was some Bedoya moments you say you're, but you don't think we are any more defensively sound. No, we're much better defensively sound. But anybody who thinks that, that it's going to be against the better teams that we are going to continue to do what we've done, I think is kidding themselves, right? We're still going to give it. We're not going to get shutouts. Isn't Philadelphia one of the better better teams? Yeah, I think we 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 blitzed Philadelphia because they weren't expecting it, right? And um, I think what's going to happen, the other thing I'm worried about is in the center of the park that people are going to realize they only got two in the center of the park and they're going to overload it, right? Okay. So we're going to have trouble getting out of the back. Now, one thing that's happened, you know, which is a total accident, has nothing to do with Pineda, but he got lucky. 
when you have this and only two in the back, your defensive midfielder has to be a guy who you can play to out of the back. Sosa you can play to out of the back. Yeah. Abara gives the ball away all the time and doesn't make great decisions out of the back. So, you know, God bless. We got the right player. If you're going to play five in the back, Sosa's way better because he's going to read the game. You don't need all the tackles as much, right? Um, and most importantly, you need to have a guy who can also outlet the ball. I mean, one of the things that, you know, one of our listeners, Jeff Newberry, who was a tremendous coach himself, was telling us to look at, and I agree with him completely. When we were playing with Abara and Sadich mostly, or Abara and Josetu, when we were trying to play out of the back, those guys are not moving at all. Yeah. They're not available at all. And so we have been bypassing them left and right. Now, that works if Almada is open, but all these teams have realized that. They've closed down Almada, and suddenly we're not building out of the back anymore. We're going long. We're kicking it. We're not. Yeah. It's not good. And we've given the ball, even when we've tried to, how many times have we given up goals when we just gave it away out of the back? Too many. This Wait, right? Yeah. So most, most of any season. Yeah. So, so this is my concern. So... If we summarize the tactical board, you would say, look, we have to play five in the back now. We don't have a choice, right? As soon as you play five in the back, there's two problems. One, the main problem, I think, is Almada has to go wide, and I think it's not as good for him. Uh, you know, he's a great player, so he'll still be good, right? And then the other problem I have is we only get two in the middle. If we only have two in the middle, you know, they better be very, very good. Yeah. Right, and or unless we're gonna get overloaded, the you know the third problem I don't think we match up even that well out of the the back in the five, but that's that's the problem right now anyway. So it's better when we have three guys than we have two guys. So, yeah. so but is Sosa our guy now? Do you think that Pineda with the five in the back, Sosa has to be the guy? Pineda can't sit him anymore. I think. I think that Pineda might because I don't think he recognizes it, but he has to be. And he is also, you know, one thing that I will say about going to the five with what we have, Sosa makes a lot of sense in a five because he really can read it. It really maximizes Wiley and Lennon, mm -hmm. right? And the guy that they bought makes sense completely, you know, uh, Mayamba, I don't know how you pronounce it, but yeah. he makes perfect sense with only two in the middle too. So everything looks like, you know, the front office was like, hey, yeah. why don't you play five in the back? Now it was weird they made these moves within, you know, a day of playing five in the back and seeing it once. So could it really have been like, oh, we think it's fine and they moved on it? Uh, yeah. That's amazing if they did. But I don't know. I'd love to know, be a fly on the wall and figure out how we changed, you know, from four in the back to five in the back. One of the things, the podcast right before that, I just went absolutely apoplectic because I'm like, are we ever going to change anything in the back? Yeah. You know, right? Because we're giving right. up the most goals in the, in yeah. the league. And we did. Yeah. yeah. So maybe they're listening. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but I, so I, I love the five in the back for this team. But here I just wanted to point out what are the tactical issues with it. And anybody who thinks that suddenly the five in the back is going to solve all of our problems, I think is not true. But I think if we were to get that other forward as a DP or somebody yeah. at that level and another secondary um, upgrade in the, in the midfield, that would be exciting. I don't think we're going to get that. I'm going to, I'll take that back. Well, who are we signing then? We're just signing one designated player who is our right forward. That's who it is. But we have more money than that, I think, to go out and get somebody in the midfield. Yeah, but. 
I think it's going to be, it has to be this. Oh, say it is A just... League Two French player? I don't know. Yeah, that's what I'm worried about. <laughs> I think it's going to be, honestly, I think Miles will go to the center and he shouldn't be in the center. It should be Parata. Yeah. I think that it will likely be Abram because he hates Hernandez. Hernandez yeah. Right? Which yeah. is a, also a mistake. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's going to be this. Yeah. But. Well, at least Sosa has some credit in the bank and man of the match, right? So you figure Pineda is going to play. Sosa went healthy. I mean, these some of these people who are like, uh. oh, my God, Ibarra is so much better than Sosa. I mean, they're right and they're completely wrong. So has Ibarra been the better player than Sosa this year? Absolutely. Right? Because we've been a chaos. We have only four in the back, right? And we've asked our center midfielders to do crazy things. The only thing that works in that role is someone who just flies around the field and makes tackles or whatever and of course sosa's been hurt right but if you actually play a solid foundation where people are actually defended and you don't ask which is what they've done a barra to be like literally holding the hand of miles and and particularly parata if you actually allow him to go into midfield and to read it, he is absolutely terrific. And when you play five, which is what they did, and he allows to do that, a number of people are like, oh, what if he's going to make a mistake? He will not make a mistake, people. When he's allowed to be a defensive midfielder, he is terrific. He's been absolutely much worse than a bar this season because the role has been crazy, not an actual defensive midfielder. Right, he's been holding the hand of Parata. He's been flying out wide occasionally. He's been doing all this crazy stuff, and Abara is better at that. Yeah. Right, yeah. but not only when you have it marked up, you now have a true defensive midfielder. Sosa is the better player, and if you only have two in the midfield because you have five in the back, you got to have a guy who can handle the ball. There was a moment in this Montreal game where uh, Guzan made a really terrible ball to uh, Sosa in the middle, right? He was under a tremendous amount of pressure. It almost didn't get to him. It was straight up the middle. Hold on. And he made a one-touch ball out of trouble right into a great position, I I think, to Lennon. If that's a bar, he gives it away, and we got real trouble. Okay. All right. Tactical board. Tactical board. Tactical board. Everybody back to their normal (laughs) positions. Oh, I like the uh, Tyler Adams uh, jersey you're rocking there. Oh, very nice. Um, Time for a refill on the wine during this brief intermission, podcast listeners. Interlude. Um, Make sure you get Carmen a little splash there, Dave. Sure. Should have done that before you left. So, uh, Philadelphia game. Uh, As as I mentioned, I thought it was... Definitely in our top two performances. It was the first game that I was at that, um, or watched, right, that I wasn't just overly stressed the entire time. Um, what was what was your rating of that game compared to, say, the Charlotte or other games where we played pretty well? I thought it was our best game of the season. Yeah, um, obviously, not only was it against a very good Philadelphia team, they were the hottest team in the league. They, I think they were seven wins and two ties coming into mm-hmm. the game in their last nine. Um, so, you know, that was a very, very hot Philadelphia team and we made them look really bad, which actually goes to this whole thing we've been saying the whole season, right? We have been saying the entire time that our talent, particularly up front 
if you would just get it right defensively and don't give up easy goals, or if maybe even if you recycle the ball up high, right. we look terrific. Now, obviously, Papa Giorgio went down, but before he went down was the best period that we looked in the whole season. Yeah. And, yeah, like we said, for pounding the desk a million times, fullbacks stay back, or at least most of the time. We never really did that all season. Um, and, uh, yeah, this, this three in the back, right, forces us to do that, so... Here we go. Yeah, I mean, and I, and if we're able to bring in some of the right signings, you'll be even happier. Yeah, I mean, if if we get what you say, we're going to get. And I think I think I took that bet. Well, Carmen, I, did you note that bet? Did uh, you type it down what, what in was your the phone? Bet? Sorry, I, paying, yeah, I think that we're going to get two more high quality two. Oh, two versus one. You think it's going to be a right for like white right winger? I think so, but either way, I think the bet's not really what where they're going to be. It's it's one versus two. Okay. Well, I mean, this is kind of like, clearly there's going to be one big signing, right? Mm -hmm. And whether that's big as in a DP or just a very good player, yeah, we certainly should be expecting that, right? But then is there one that's roughly, you know, on the heels of that? Um, maybe. I still think if you have one big signing, it should be, it's a better off being, you know, a box to box midfielder, right? That's where we yeah. really need the help. Although now we're still, we get this issue, you know, even do we have a, a left back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't really understand what the rationale behind getting rid of Gutman is. I mean, I guess if you're going to go consistently to five in the back, right, then Wiley becomes that. What, what that does Gutman get paid? I don't think he was making that much. But that's my point is they're they're trying to free something up. Free money, yeah. Which free money yeah. up or uh, okay. or there's an upgrade at left back, right? That th those would be the only reason why would you get rid of Gutman then? If I think you're right to... in that it's to free up money because yeah. there there's a big player coming that they need that money for. Right. That's what I think. And, and Gutman was and, a... and so you don't need that for a designated player. Because you can spend as much as you want on a designated player. Look at you oh, using logic nice. over there, nah, Mikey Dots. I, like, I like it. I like that. I like that, but I still don't think so. <laughs> yeah, okay, but, but then why Makes would, sense. But then why would they get rid of Gutman then? To bring in another left back that's amazing? I don't know. Yes. Okay. So I, right. think, I think I'm right on this one. Bet is recorded. I hope you're right. Yeah. I hope you're right. Because I, I would like yeah. to be wrong. If If... I am right, then you have to keep bringing wine to the podcast every yeah. time you come. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'll be happy to. I'll be happy to be wrong. Be happy to be wrong, Mikey Dobbs. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, well, fun game. Yeah. I mean, you know, just sitting there watching, uh, you know, the, 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 the opportunities Almada creates, just it's fun. Um, the, there was one terrible, awful, no good thing in the game. Uh-oh. Yeah. When Papa Giorgio went down, who came on? Oh, I don't. I, you know, I've, I talk <laughs> about it so much. Um, uh, and for, yeah, but for anybody who's, who's out there who's defending Miguel Barry, you don't know what you're watching, period, the end. Like, I just will go there at this point. Yeah, I agree. There's all, really nothing to be said. All that I'm doing at this point is watching him and every movement he makes in the field to the point of just torture. Because it's, it's, it has to be depressing for like some USL kid that you know is hungry to come up into the MLS and and play that position, right? That can do it well. So in the first half, in injury time, so Barry had come on whatever he came on. Well, it was like 
30 minutes in, 40 minutes in, whatever it was when Papa Giorgio went down. So he's absolutely fresh against the other guys who've been playing already 35 minutes, right? Uh -huh. So you're thinking, you know, the fastest guy in the field, right? Almada makes an absolutely stunning switch to Lennon, who made a great run into the corner, right? So he's free in the corner. What does Lennon, I'll ask Carmen, what does okay. Lennon do when he's free in the corner? When who's free? When, who's when Lennon has run forward and he gets the ball oh, he and he's under it. no pressure. He crosses, he crosses the, ball. the ball. What do we have for <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen? I mean, this is like the most obvious answer in the world, right? And so if you're Barry and that happens, what do you should be doing? Maybe get in the box. Crashing. Crashing as hard as you can into and the... And he was just standing at the top of the box. He had just come on the field. And he's standing at the top of the box when the only, everybody in the planet knew Lennon was going to cross that ball. Oh, do you want me to go on fire too on top of it? Because, oh, what, what oh is, hey. What did this happen? Yeah, yeah, hit, that, hit that button again, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I, I moved the, uh, the, oh, the panel. Oh. <laughs> See, that was truly on fire. Um, yeah, the soundboard's off, off one thing, so I'm, uh, okay. I'm tricking you there. But no, in the Montreal game, Dave, there was like late in the game, somebody oh, recycled it out to wow. Almada, and Barry is standing at half field with him, and, and what does Almada do? He explodes to take on three players, and <laughs> what does Miguel Barry proceed to do other than just jog behind and just watch like me in the stands? Uh is he gonna score? Is Almada gonna score? Like he couldn't sprint equally with him and try to like take a defender away, at least take one of the players that Almada was gonna have to beat on his own. He had every possibility to run and keep up with Almada to create some sort of distraction or maybe get a goal. And he just chose to sit back and watch. I you know like what's even more egregious? In the 34th minute, I don't know if you remember this play, but Almada was in the middle, and he looped the ball against the run. He looked like he was facing this way, but he kind of he looped it over to Lennon. It was an absolutely stunning ball into the box. Yeah. So Lennon gets the ball, and he's... Was runs, that, is that the one he brought it down? He brought it down, yeah. and he shot it to the far yeah. coast, oh, and yeah. he missed by about a foot. Yeah, yeah. it was a okay. beautiful take by Lennon, by the way. Yes, but you know what should have happened? That he should have been standing there going, pass it to me on the far post. He, there should have been a tap-in in the middle of the goal, uh, right? Because he's yeah. coming in. The goalkeeper has to take away that. Yeah. He had a bad angle. What he should have done was slide it across. You know what Barry did on that play? I do. He, he actually he was way late on his drop back there. Like, and it, just, it basically was not in an angle where Lennon could have. He checked up his run for a ball towards the top of the box. You're like, uh, I mean, that's fine yeah. when you're in a certain crossing situation, whatever. But when he's in alone like that, right? You gotta, I mean, it's, you gotta go for that tap in at the in the middle yeah. of the, the box, like he's like at sixes and sevens. I, it's like what the? Well, also, I, I again with your question, like how if many? That's Papa Giorgio. He makes that run oh, and he taps oh, it in absolutely. every time. And Lennon would have played that ball. He's yeah. good at that. Yeah, I agree. Like, come and, on. And people. also, like, I'd love to know if there's a site out there. I think there is. It has stats on like more granular stuff, like how many touches uh -huh. has Miguel Barry had. But I think from memory <laughs> that we can serve the pretty close answer to this. Like, how many headers has Miguel Barry had at his, with his frame? 
I can remember Zero. I do remember I him remember being zero. called off a ball by one of the other team's defenders that he was going to head the ball. The does corner, that, corner does that kick count? header in this last game was Sosa that almost went in off of the corner kick, but Barry wasn't on it. Yeah, I have no memory. I of... tell you what, the other thing is in the Philadelphia game, so pretty early in the Philadelphia game, right, um, Chop breaks down the right side, right, he... Plays the ball into Almada at the top of the box. And for once, Almada makes a really bad touch. He wanted, I don't know what he was trying to do, but he made a bad touch. But his bad touch actually went right to Barry at the penalty spot. I mean, right to Barry. He got a chance to take two steps in. And do you remember what he did? Oh, nothing, I'm sure, because (laughs) nothing resulted in it. He shot it. He tried to shoot it. I remember this. And... He got so over the ball, he hit it into the turf, directly into the turf, and it barely rolled to the goalkeeper. Yeah, that was bad. It didn't take, I looked at it like six times, I'm like, maybe it took a bad bounce. No, he just got so over the top of it, he couldn't get his feet right, and he just kicked it straight into the ground, and it basically dribbled right to the goalkeeper from the penalty spot. So, I have, yeah, as I've always said, my favorite part of being part of this podcast are Mikey Dobbs's uh, texts during oh. the game. Yeah, okay. um, this oh, this no. is a short one. No, no, no. This is a short one. No curse words or anything, but it did make me laugh. So, of course, talking about Barry. Now, Mikey Dobbs has been talking about Barry for a while. But finally, <laughs> after saying he wanted to kind of show Miguel Barry's movement on the tactical board. Uh, <laughs> Pretty predictable. Yes, he's like, dude, I swear on my life, as a person on this planet, I could do better. Like right now, at 48 years old, any youth soccer player worth his salt should be screaming at the TV. You said the door. Did you mean TV? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. just make sure. <laughs> but I always love that part. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the Philadelphia game, This again, missing a sitter. Um, mm-hmm. At some point, it can't just be a wonder goal. That- you know what that was, though, Mikey Dobbs? One of his three shots on goal yeah. this season. That counts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, wide open from the penalty spot. And he, I mean, honestly, yeah. if the goalkeeper hadn't been there, I think it's 50-50 whether it even gets over the line. Yeah. <laughs> Like, it might have stopped right here to the goal. That's painful. (laughs) It was awful. (sighs) All right. But as Elliot says, and as y'all said before, I'll put up on the thing. He has heart. He has heart. No. No, he doesn't. (laughs) Well, Pineda thinks he does. Pineda thinks he does. he has heart. And I'm tired of all the supporters being like, oh, he works so hard or whatever. What are you watching? Yeah, exactly. He doesn't move. He doesn't doesn't have heart. What heart is is when Almada's breaking away, your heart, you better be right next to him. Busting it. Right offside. Give him an option. Pineda has to think something. There's no way you put that man out there. Yeah, so, I tell you what he thinks is he thinks that we can't have a striker unless they're over six foot three. <laughs> That's what he thinks. And Chol is over six foot three. Put him in. That's a great point. Yeah, Chol especially. It's not his natural position, guys. Oh. He can't play that. Yeah, but he they, can run. He can move. Or this idea that, you know, we can't play, you know, any of these guys false nine or whatever because they're not used to it. I mean, if anybody watched Man City, right? I mean, he had Gunawan playing left back at times, right? He, they were talking about, uh, who was it? Was saying Maybe that, a little too extreme. Yeah, really too extreme, of <laughs> yeah. course. But, did, you hear, did you hear the story about um, 
what's his name? Uh, Gabriel Jesus. Yes. I, I understand his frustration. Yes. I was like, you're not that much of a genius pep. Like that's just, that's just, but my point in that whole thing. So the Jesus was talking about, um, there was a left back went in after Jesus has had a fabulous run, Uh like doesn't get played the next game after he just scored and had an assist. And a left back comes and plays your position. Oh, yeah. He played it. somebody up as a striker and he just was on the bench. But, you know, my point being in that telling that story, right, is that um, this idea that professional players, I mean, it's one thing if you take a professional player like Gundogan and play him at left back. That's crazy. That's what Pep does. But the idea that a right forward like Wolf or let's say a winger like Chol, whatever, can't play a false nine, like needs like, yeah. months of preparation or a whole season to do no. it. It's just madness. Yeah. No, you've never right? played. Like, like, come on. If you play with guys who have a nose for goal, like Wolf does, mm-hmm. he can figure out a way to do more. People are saying, oh, we're not prepared to play that kind of formation or whatever for a false night. I'm like, what? Yeah. I mean, what? I disagree too. All right. I disagree with that. Uh, <clears throat> Montreal game. Yeah. Uh, another win, another shutout. Yeah, well, I will say decent that, game, right? Yeah, better yeah. than decent. Better I mean, than decent. Top three of the season. I maybe put that in the in number two slot. <laughs> yeah, it's that or Charlotte. Yeah, yeah. that or Charlotte, right? But uh, and they're both wins on the road. So first of all, how many games has Pineda won on the road in the last two seasons prior to Montreal? Three people. Three. Whoop, whoop. It was <laughs> three. <laughs> And now we've won a second one this season. So good on you. We've won two last season. We won two. If we never win another one, that's not so good. But hey, winning a game on the road for us. And Montreal at home has been very good. They're a middle of the the table team, but at home they've been terrific. We're already above two points on the table from what our prediction was at the last team. We thought we were only going to get four out of the next four games. Yeah. So I would say amazing. And then the other thing you have to say is that, you know, we said you don't have to do that much. If you're defensively sound, you just give players like Almada, you know, amazing chance. And, you know, Philadelphia, he hits the wall, gets a rebound, unbelievable shot. This game, the free kick. I mean, you know, I mean, he missed hit it by about a good three inches, Mikey Dobbs. He was trying to put it right in off the post, and it hit the post. So, you know, I mean, he's struggling. Yeah. But, I mean, but he just created that. Like, Lennon gets a tap in, right? You know, it was terrific. And Lennon did really good to get to that ball quickly and whatever. I will note, okay, that, I mean, Lennon was in that position or whatever, but, you know... That's a run that Barry's not making either. He wasn't. He couldn't make that run in that situation. He was standing in the wall. Yeah. But, you know, God bless Barry. You know, if you see Almada shooting anywhere in the game, run towards the goal because there might be a rebound. Right. <sighs> was Lennon off or was he clearly on? I can't remember. It Elliot was asked close. Him. It was close? Okay. It was real close. I, I, I made a note. I said, God bless uh MLS that doesn't have the magic line. <laughs> I I think if I had to guess, Elliot, I think he was offside by like an elbow, like mm-hmm. in one of those Premier League. Technically, it would have been whatever, but in the spirit of the game, he was not offside. His body was right. equal, right? But I have a guess that he was maybe leaning a half an inch offside. Right. It was close. Well, I mean... Amada's free kicks, though, are just... Yeah. They're becoming something of a spectacle at this point. Mm-hmm. It's like I, every time, you, you know, something's going to happen. 
and I don't see it stopping, which is kind of cool for him. I think once you get in a good mindset like that, that he's he's not going to be putting it into the stands. You know, oh, knock on wood. I was about to say. Oh man, I, now I got to knock on wood. But no, <laughs> no, he's. I no, think he's he's, he's just he's got the formula down on making something possible uh, by not shooting it over the goal. Right, get it on frame. See if it comes off the post. See if yeah. it comes off the keeper. Right. Um, and he, he doesn't overpower it, but he doesn't underpower it either. And I think that's the key, um, in that Philadelphia game, right? Like I remember when that he drew the foul, I was like, Oh man, that sucks. Cause it's too close to the top of the box. Like that's not a good angle for him. I was like, he can't score this because even now Mata can't get it up and over that wall. Yep. And he did. He just banged it into the wall and then rebound shot it in. <laughs> I was like, that was, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> Let's just play it off the wall yeah. back to myself. Yeah. Clever. But, but no, I mean, what's what I, what I'm saying there, that's actually better than trying to go over the wall unnecessarily yeah. and skied into the stands because right. it was just way too hard of a, yeah. a shot. Right. So, I feel like he may have skied one in one of the games yeah, and it like shocked me. Yes. And that's weird. You yeah. know, it was like absolutely like, Oh gosh, what just mm-hmm. happened? Yeah, you're right. Anything else in the Montreal game you want to jump into? No, I mean, I, I mean, what I mean, it, well, a couple of very minor things. So the substitutes. I mean, do you remember? So you know, <laughs> he brought on Chol and Fortune. Yes. Right. You know, who he brought him on for. Uh, <laughs> y- yes. Or who he didn't bring them on? Who are the guys who are the youngest who can run all day on the it was, team? It was Wiley and Wolf, right? Yes, yep. Wiley and Wolf. Who are terrible players who don't run at all? Barry is definitely one of them. Yeah, and who's the center midfielder doesn't move? Well, Sadich. Sadich. He and, moves. He moves. But, well, yeah, he's done better lately. But yeah. I mean, I'm giving him a little bit of a hard time. But when you're bringing on those subs, why not Barry and Sadich? As opposed to Wolf and Wiley. Yeah. Well, definitely Barry. I mean that's yeah. that's clear. Well, Maybe he, Wolf could have come out. He, he loves. He I mean, loves Barry never tracks back. No, ever. Like, never pressures yeah. the ball. Never. Pr- I mean, I, that is what drives me. Because like, if I'm going to have the reluctancy of you know just watch Almada if he's going to go to breakaway and not actually sprint with my heart after him to try to help him, at least I'm going to try to get back and help my team on you know a couple moments when you know I just watch the guy dribble up the sideline. No, I'll try to help. My wing back, like, put pressure on him, and, you know, that's what I'm saying at 48. And I, I have can to, do better. I can do better. Can. I have to say, and I, I hate to be critical of a kid this young, but so they had one chance to score, really, in the whole game, right? It was our old buddy George Campbell, Ooh. of all things, cut it in from the left back, oh, yeah. on, and zinged it right he zinged it and didn't miss by, like, more yeah. than a foot, right? Yep. On that play, it was Fortune who was trying to match up with him and block it. Mm-hmm. It was about mm, five yards outside the 18. It yeah. was somewhere in the 23-yard range or something like that. Exactly, yeah. Right? Fortune is standing there trying to – you know why he didn't block that shot? Who thinks that Fortune is not quicker than George Campbell? I don't know. I mean, he's definitely quicker. He's quick. Yeah. Fortune is standing four yards outside of our own 18, and he's defending with his hands behind the back. Outside the box? Outside (laughs) the box. Yeah. When you're outside the box, people, you defend. You know, if it hits your arm, which is not good, it's still just a free kick. To to his credit, though, that is is part, part, 
the fault of the whole handball rule right now. Oh, God. Is forcing all the players yeah. to play with their hands behind their back. They're training that into people at such a young but age But outside now. the box? <laughs> well, you don't... You that know, should only be reserved for inside the box. It becomes habit, though. Yeah, I that's what I, I think. Know. But so. it's really bad. That is Because yeah. it really prevented him from real... In my opinion, if he wasn't trying to defend like that, he probably quick enough, he probably blocks that shot. Yeah. I don't know. It was a hell of an effort. And if he just scored, you got to just... Oh, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Fortune was in a good defensive position, and George Campbell went right by him and got a shot off. I don't think that should happen, right? I don't know. You see a lot of guys cut across the top of the box, and they usually get the shot off, you know? I don't know. And from that 20... Campbell against Fortune? From that 25-yard spot out when you're cutting cutting at an angle... Like you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't see somebody come close. You don't see people get their foot to it very often in any game like that. I don't think they usually end up shooting yeah. it in the stands, or it goes whizzing by. Or at least you're really close enough where you make it more difficult for him. Yeah. He was not close enough. He had all, you know, he really got a chance to like lean into it and whatever. All right. So we can talk about it. that. Goes us right to the U.S. national team game. <laughs> people are just trashing Miles Robinson. Oh, right? Really? Yeah, because uh, two handballs. Oh, yeah. Right? But I mean... Well, that one was pretty dumb. Which one was dumb? The one where the he's first like one? punching at it? That one? No, I disagree. <laughs> I, okay. I'm going to argue with that. That actually... You know what that was? Him throwing his hand no. necessarily towards the ball? No. Yeah. No, you know yeah. what that was? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Who was the Canadian player? Uh, oh, he's trying to punch him? He's no. Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't. I don't know. No. You tell me. So the ball was bouncing. You know, it was coming down, and the Canadian player went to trap it. Right? He completely whiffed on the trap. It was one of the worst attempts I have ever seen to trap the ball. So what happened was he whiffed on the trap. It hit the ground and bounced up. And Miles was expecting him to trap it. He was going to tackle low, and the ball came up high yeah. because the guy totally missed the ball. Yeah. I mean, that is just. Yeah. Okay. I'm off to go back and look what at that. What the? Like, that's a professional player. I mean, he went to that's trap right. the ball, and he missed it completely. Because yeah. to be fair, like, the only thing I was, again, at a, I wasn't listening to the commentary. Yeah. All I saw was the replay. Like, yeah. It was, like, slow motion. Well, he was just coming in like this because he was going low for the ball, and the ball was suddenly up here. It should never have been up there. The guy's supposed to trap the ball. <laughs> yeah. How do you expect that? Okay, so that's that's the second one. What about the, what do you feel about the first one? Uh, I d- that one's not in my memory as well. So in the first one, it was headed, and it skimmed off his arm. He was sort of like, and he went to try to challenge. He wasn't even close to challenging, yeah. and he was up like that. I hate those ones. Like that's a natural position when you get a challenge. For the I ball, agree. So. Wait, was that the one that was overturned? Like no, they didn't call it. They didn't call yeah. it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. He wasn't a penalty kick on that, yeah. but the people are saying, "Oh, he got away with one, right?" You know. Yeah. Um, they said he was pushed, which isn't that what? No, they, they no? said the other guy got pushed before they bailed him out. Uh, the referee was was good in that case. So by the letter of the law, right, the way they've been enforcing <laughs> it now, that would have been a penalty kick for sure. It's the stupid, you know, it hit him. His arm was in an unnatural position. That's a penalty kick, right? Uh, right. But the referee didn't want to give a penalty kick because he's like, that would have been a really soft penalty kick. So he's looking mm-hmm. at the play and he's like, oh, right in front of. Robinson, one of the Canadian players just shoved one of our defenders off, ah. and he was like, oh, push prior to the handball. That's what he called. 
Got it. So okay. that's how he got bailed out of. So I think that's good refereeing. But here's my take. All right. Right. I'm going to call for it once again. We need to have option number three. Right. Because we need to have it can't just be penalty kick or no penalty kick. There needs to be a thing where it's not really a goal scoring opportunity. Yes, it is a handball. Maybe it's even an unnatural, but it wasn't going towards the goal. Yeah. It wasn't changing an opportunity. You don't want to be like giving them people like, OK, go ahead and do that. Yeah. But you also don't want to give it a penalty kick. There has to be something in between. Yeah. And the, the natural solution to it is. There's a third option if it's not egregiously physical or if it's not really denying any kind of chance for scoring, then the referee would have the discretion to give you a free kick anywhere within 10 yards of the semicircle on the 18, anywhere. I would say, yeah, right, right on the semicircle anywhere. Well, so the semicircle comes at the top of the 18, right? Because that's, that's, that's yeah. drawn for people who don't know. It's drawn because that's actually a 10-yard circle from the penalty spot. So that keeps you 10 yards away from the penalty spot on a penalty kick. That's the reason why it's there. So if you take that natural arc and you say 10 yards out from that, a natural arc, you can take it anywhere in there. You can put it on the arc. You can put it 10 yards behind the arc if you want more room. You can go anywhere left and Which is right where Almada had his... his Because that's where most of the players love to shoot from. Most of them like it much more like maybe five to eight yards outside of that little arc. Yeah. Uh A little bit left, right. Some like it center. Give it to them wherever they want it. If you got a guy who's good, that's a good chance. Oh, no. I'm saying that you should have to put it on the arc itself somewhere. It's too close. I know, which is, makes it more difficult. No, I want, I want to give them an even better chance. No, I don't because it, it's, it's in the box. You're taking it back out. there got to be some. For like those weird handballs. Yeah. I don't know. I yeah, think, weird handball. You can even be like, okay, get your hand down. And you're going to give yeah. up a good free kick. Then he's still got to convert it from yeah. anywhere there. Okay. Better All than right. a PK. I'm not yeah. totally against that. It's better that. than a PK. I'm not totally against that. But anyway, the third the third way. We're going to have, we're going to, have, we, we should like write a, a blog or an op-ed or something. That would be the a third cool way. MLS weird rule if they were the first to test yeah, that. Yeah, to test it. Ooh. Let's have a third way. We got to give referees a little bit of an out. Because he was looking for an out on that. <laughs> and he should have been because it would have been a really soft penalty. They gave him a penalty kick, even the second one, yeah. when and they how, didn't have a shot on goal. How sweet would have that rule been with Almada this year? Yeah, yeah. well, if, yeah. You, if you have a great free kicker, you know, then that yeah. actually helps. And it adds to the excitement of it. You earn a really cool free kick goal rather than just a penalty kick goal. You're like, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> And it, it would take away from, you know, how many of these people get called, like, penalty merchants, right? Yeah. Because most of their goals are penalty kicks. We wouldn't have that many because a lot of those in-between decisions would be free kicks, not penalty kicks. It would only be the really clearly denying that would be a penalty kick. Yeah. It would probably go at least half and half of what they're giving now. The penalty kicks would now, half would be free kicks. And it might even be two-thirds. It might only be a third penalty kicks. That's true. I like it. All right. We... Have women's World Cup that we could talk about the um, leagues cup. The leagues cup we got, which gold. are starting basically on the same I time. Guess, we yeah. just talked a little gold cup with the handball stuff, but oh, yeah. we just made it through to the semifinals. Who are we playing in the semis? Is that undecided? Panama. Panama. Oh, okay. So who did Panama beat? Great question. Panama beat Guatemala. Cutter. Qatar. Ah. The, Cutter. There's always a guest. Country. That, that yeah. always confuses me. I'm like, they're not in Concacaf. <laughs> so, do you think? There's always a guest team. Do you think uh, who is who is Mexico playing? 
Mexico beat Costa Rica. Oh, they did. So yes. Through. Okay. So the remaining teams is us and Panama on the other side, and it's Mexico and Jamaica. 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 That's correct. So Jamaica, what, got Jamaica beat Guatemala. Who they play? Yeah, Guatemala or Honduras. Guatemala. Guatemala. Yeah. yeah. Uh, interesting. All right, right now, it looks like Jamaica going to beat Mexico. Mexico is. Do you know Mexico yeah. lost to Qatar? I saw that. Yeah. Did they really? Yes. Oh, did, yes, they I did with their that. top team. Dude, they, did you watch the Haiti game that they played? Dude, Haiti had like sitters. Yeah. Like Haiti was so confused. They had like three people in the box <laughs> They're like, who that could have scored. They were like, who are we playing? What's going on? There was like no Mexico. I mean, it was, and then they just whiffed it. I was like, Haiti should have crushed Mexico in that game. Yeah. I mean, they had like three of those type of weird opportunities where. Like Mexico just accidentally passed it to a Haitian player, like in the box by himself. And you're like, dude, you got to finish that. Right. Um, right. Oh, Dave's, Dave's refilling us. Refilling Good line. man. Yes. Um, Let's see. I know you mentioned a lot of stuff that we can talk about. Are we done with the U.S. though? Do we need to finish that? Now, why don't you talk some U.S. women's? What are your expectations for the World Cup? Y'all know that I am not um, excited, that excited about the U.S.'s chances. Um, tell this. me, tell me more. Why is that? <sighs> Why not? Um, they are the Vegas favorites. Are they? Are they really? Still, yeah. Seriously? Yep, they are the favorites. And I guess they're the number one team in the world still, right? Yep, still the number one team in the world. They just haven't looked that great. I think since Mallory Pugh went down. Yes, she was balling. She was so good, and she was really where most of our goals came from. And so when she went down. I just feel like we haven't really had a goal scorer. Okay. We haven't been able, and I don't even know, like I feel like especially against some of the better teams, we've just had really nothing going on. Uh, now, is, is Mallory Pugh? I'm sorry, what's her name now? Swanson. Swanson. Is she yes. married to Dansby she Swanson, to the Dansby former Swanson. Atlanta Braves? Yes. She is. And he he's, moved to Chicago. He's not he's, former, right? Is he still with? No, he's Chicago. former. He's he moved Cubs. to Chicago oh. because yeah. he Cubs. wanted to be with his wife, oh, wow. who is in the NWSL. I know. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. This is news for you guys, uh, you know, Atlanta Braves fans. You're like, why did Swanson just up and leave us? He left for his wife, people, because she was playing for Chicago, mm. and he wanted to be with her. Yeah. And now she just follows him around since she can't play. She's it's hurt. quite sad. She was she was the best player coming into this tournament oh. and before she tore her ACL. Oh. Such oh, she was in such great form. Because in yeah, the last World Cup, she was up. on the team but didn't really play. Yeah. Um so I was really actually excited for her, just how good she had been playing and she was in a good space, like head everything. And then oh, that was everything. heartbreaking. But yeah, we just don't I just I don't, and besides that, I don't think we have good coaching. I think we're, if there's a, you know, if we're tight with a team, we are going to get out coached. So the first game is the on a Friday, the 21st against Vietnam. Yep. That's right. 9.30 kickoff. Yeah, because it's all from Australia, New Zealand, right? We yeah. in New Zealand or Australia? Uh, we're ahead, we're in one of we're, we're playing all of our first round matches in one of the two countries, and I can't okay. remember, but because um, it's a joint hosted, but. Um, it's nine o'clock there. I mean, it's nine o'clock here because of the time difference. They're they're kicking off. It's like a twelve hour difference or something. So it's like morning games that are being kicked off here at night. Yeah, say so it's got to be almost twelve because I know Singapore is like exactly twelve hour difference from Eastern Standard Time. Yeah. Um, not that Singapore and Vietnam are. Uh, or sorry, where where are the games yeah. being played? 
you say vegan? No, I'm trying to think. So I'm it's no, it's actually it's a, it's it's twelve hours before, right? So it's 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 morning there, but it's the night yeah. time before here. Right, yeah. So we have a nine p.m. game yeah. on Friday, so Friday night, and then July twenty sixth, yeah. nine o'clock at night. Which is great for us. Yeah, yeah. nine o'clock games are good. Yeah, fun. Great. I'm gonna be in Chicago, so it's an eight o'clock kickoff. Oh, people, nice. that's Friday night game. Let's go. <laughs> I'll be at some when's that establishment uh, when's in the, Chicago. The Portugal, the Portugal, US August game. 1st. I know, but when, what day is August 1st fall on? But it's 3 a.m. in the morning. I know, that's why I'm calling it out. <laughs> <laughs> what do we got? 3 a.m. live podcast. On a Tuesday. Oh, we, do, we do a post-game review. I don't know, at 5 a.m. <laughs> Some red wine. Let's see how many people are alive for that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so let's go. I'm going to put you on the spot, Carmen. Uh-oh, okay. You ready? Uh-huh. So in the final warm-up game, mm-hmm. right, he went with... What I thought looked like probably his starting lineup. Okay. Right? So he had Morgan up top, right? And he had Lynn Williams. He had Haran in the middle. That's surprising. He had, um, and I, uh, he played with Andy Sullivan, right? <laughs> <laughs> I am not an Andy Sullivan fan. No. Well, my, my point being this, that um, there were a couple of players who were noticeably conspicuously not in the starting lineup, right? So okay. one was Julie Ertz, right? So it suggests that maybe he doesn't think she's really ready to be the starter. Right. Um, the other one was Rose Lavelle coming off an injury. Mm-hmm. Doesn't look like she's necessarily ready to be um, a starter. Right. How do you feel about that? <laughs> uh, I... I, I am not hopeful for our midfield. Haran, I've always loved Haran. I like her a lot. Andy Sullivan has never been on my top, probably like thirty list. Like I just, I, I, I maybe I just don't appreciate her as a player. I don't know, but um, if she's starting for us, that's going to cause trouble. Um, but again, I said it about Ertz. She just hasn't played a lot, so I get why she might be. Um, they have her on the bench from the get-go. But I'm really hoping Lavelle comes back. So he had the center midfield, the three in the center, where Andy Sullivan playing defensive, and he had Haran and Ashley Sanchez. I like Ashley yeah, Sanchez. Yeah, she's terrific. Yep. And then he had the front line, Sophia Smith, Alex Morgan, and Thompson was the front line. I'm actually surprised about Thompson because she hasn't really been starting. They usually will have um, – who's the other one they all have over there? Um, Lynn Williams, I think, is, is it? one. Okay. I'm and um, Rapanoe, that's what I call her. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your Megan prediction Rapinoe. for the Oh, Vietnam Trinity game? Rodman. Trinity Rodman. Yeah, I, lo- I really like her. Uh, we win 7-0. 17-0. That big of a difference. <laughs> that was going to be huge. Against wow. Vietnam, yeah, huge. I say Vietnam's ranked 32 in the world. It doesn't matter. It'll be huge. That's going to be a blowout. Yeah. But that's the women's game at this moment. The, the weak teams are really weak. But then the Netherlands in game two, that's a game. That'll be a game. That'll be good. I will, uh, we could okay. lose that game. Rematch of the finals, the last yeah. World Cup finals. Yeah, Netherlands is ranked ninth. I think we can lose to any of the top ten teams. Yeah. So, yeah, so the it, top ten are Australia, Netherlands, Brazil, Canada, Spain, France, England, Sweden, Germany, and then U.S. Brazil might be the only one I think we would actually beat pretty okay. Only, but besides that, I okay. think we have. So the center backs were Cook and 
Angurma, that's who it looks like it's going to be, right? Yep. Uh, what do you think about them now that Sauerbrunn is not available? Good, I mean, bad, I, indifferent? Uh, I'm, I think I'm leaning towards indifferent. Um, I think, I mean, those are definitely our best center backs by far. Um, and they're good. I'm not saying they're bad. But I think this is going to be their first World Cup. I mean, Naomi Gurma only graduated from Stanford, what, maybe two years ago? Like eight minutes ago. I know. <laughs> so to have that as center back, that's, that's a little tough. Maybe. I think it's an upgrade. You said that I'm last gonna, time. I'm going to disagree with you. You said it last time. I, right? I think that, that Sarah Brown is past it. No. Like, she's super, super smart, and she gets away with a lot because she's veteran or whatever, but she doesn't have the pace. She doesn't. And I think these players, honestly, might be better players in the long run. Mm. Right? They're no experience, right? Right. But, and I, don't get me wrong. Sarah Brown is on the downward slide of her career. And even in the last World Cup, I mean, she was giving up some fouls that she shouldn't have been yes. giving up. And so, I one mean... One-on-one, on one, they went right by they, her a couple times in that last World but Cup. But there's something... You're not going to see that with Cook and Gurma. No one's going to go running right by him 1v1. Cook, maybe? I don't know. But anyway, I just... I think you need some real, like, uh, experience and leadership in the at a center back position but i think you're right in terms of like actual player like if they were just in the end of usl and i had to draft a center back or start a center back i would start them over becky sauerbrand but in the yeah. world cup <laughs> i sort of want becky sauerbrand right. back there fine veteran yeah um so who do you think if the u.s is not going to win it who's going to win it oh elliot says england that's a good choice I think Elliot's right. Yeah, yeah. England looks England really looks to me good. the favorite because Spain w- should be the favorite, but the players who protested and are not playing that really <laughs> hurts them. Hurts. Spain's the, probably the best team, but um, you don't have England's going to win. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, we would have to really get it all together. If we, I don't know when we would face them, and I guess it depends on how. It Mikey Dobbs, you ready? It's coming home. It's coming. <laughs> coming. Staying here with the U.S. That's what, oh, she, that's what you got? He's got the U.S. Okay. winning. Okay. Because, you know, okay. make it out of the group. Yep. Get in the knockout stages. See we're definitely getting out of the group, even if it's second. Even so, if we lose to Holland, we're getting so out of the group. So if we're not matched up against England out of the gates, right, and then we get to the semis or whatever, then there's always a chance, right? Then you just got to win two games after you get out of the quarterfinals. Although, you know... We blow away Vietnam. Let's say we lose to Holland. Okay. That puts a tremendous amount of pressure on the Portugal game. Mm. Portugal's not great, but they're a decent side. And the pressure's coming. I think they still get through. But Yeah, uh, I do. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm rooting for USA. Oh, so. of course. Yep. God bless. I hope we win. The men never win. So... <laughs> it's gotta yeah. be 2000, the women. 2026, and gonna, they're the favorites. We're gonna make it to the semifinals for the first time. I just so here's the thing in right? modern football. So we've talked about the deficiency of the U.S. national team setup, right? I mean, for God's sakes, we're drinking this great wine because Berhalter, right? <laughs> <laughs> but so in the women's case, you actually get. We'll call it two World Cups, right, for every cycle. Because the Olympics is basically a World Cup. Unlike the men, where it's an under-23 tournament with a few stars sprinkled in, it, it's, it's a full national team side for the women, right? So they actually get a World Cup competition every two years, okay? So Andrelowski got his shot, right, in his first major tournament was the Olympics. They were 
awful. They're ter- terrible. And they, I mean, they they got third place, mm-hmm. right? Barely, they hung on in the third place game, right? But they were awful, right? So if you were the favorites, I mean, this is not the U.S. men's team, but let's say you were a huge favorite. Maybe you were Spain a few years ago, or uh, maybe you were France a few years ago, right? You were a really, really big favorite, right? And you look terrible the whole way. You get through, you get beaten uncharacteristically in the semifinals, and you barely win the third place game. You think you're bringing your coach back? Probably not. And yet they bring the coach back for a second go round. Why? Because we don't have a better coach? I think they just wanted to give him a chance. Because isn't it like... Chance to what? He had an international competition. That's a chance. Uh, yeah, but I feel like it was World Cup. And he sucked. left. And then like the next year, isn't it just like the next year you go to the Olympics? Am I missing that up? No. It was 2019 and then 2020. What's it? Oh, is it because they were moved it? They uh, maybe so. So I, I feel like they've wanted to give Still them a little year. more time. You have the best team on the planet. And that team was loaded. They were good. They were had loaded talent. Everybody was healthy. They limped through the group stages, barely got through the quarterfinal and lost the semifinal. Mm. Yeah. I mean, they, they I mean, not only sometimes, I mean, Look, there's a difference between getting really unlucky in a semifinal, right? You can have a great team playing amazingly and you get just a horrible unlucky in the semifinal and go out. If that's the case, bring them back mm-hmm. for sure. But if you look terrible the whole tournament, yeah. you limp out of the semifinals, what made you think you should bring them back? And yet they do. I think it's a disservice to our women that they're like, eh, you know, we, they don't deserve a better coach. Like, really? Really? He hasn't shown me anything. Like, they have the top players in the world. And, you you know, if you're you're Manchester City or if you're, let's say you're Paris Saint-Germain, right? You have the most loaded squad. You know, you just bought Messi and you have Neymar and you have Mbappe, right? And you, you win the French League, but you lose in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Did the coach survive? No. No, that's yeah. basically the equivalent. Yeah. They basically right. said, eh, okay, we're fine. Let's going to run with this. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, we've talked about it all. We'll see if our predictions come true. If Dave's tactical. Yeah, so you should write that board. down, Carmen. I got it. I got we it. got Mikey Dodd says U.S. winning oh. the oh. World oh. Cup, and we've got England. Does it count? Can we just say no women? We are such a favorite. That might even be good enough yeah. for the bet. Will you take that win versus no win? So, sorry, what, what's the bet? You I'm, have, I'm betting. I'm about to say he's going to anyway. take yes, it. He's going to take it. Yes, but in our case, where we're betting against them, do we have to pick a winner, or can we just say not U.S. U.S. versus the field? U.S. versus the field. Yeah, I'll take the field. No, you're taking the U.S. right? As in, I'll go. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Got, got, it. got it. Got it. We'll take the field. Okay, okay, so write that down. We got the field. I got it. My U.S. will go against the field. And okay. he goes us two if England win. Could you have England too? I had England too, and so did okay. every. Elliot had England. Tyson okay. had England. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, <laughs> the nose. I, I'm also going to enjoy going back to your tactical board and see what shapes out in the next couple of weeks with the yeah. trades and yeah. see see what our predictions please and uh, how that all comes together. So. You know, one of the things interesting, you know, with Loggerway is there's a lot supposed to be much more advanced analytics. And so these are the first signings with the advanced analytics. Huh. I was kind of surprised that the, this French, Moyamba. you know, Moyamba is the guy. Yeah. 
because I, mean, I didn't see a lot on the clip so fair. Yeah. I mean, maybe he's going to surprise me, but yeah. he didn't look like an analytics darling. Oh, maybe but I don't mo- know. Maybe he's moneyballing it. Maybe we just it don't is. know. Maybe it is. So anyway, these are the point being. It's interesting to see who the first signings are with advanced analytics being used, yeah. or a lot more. We've obviously okay. been using analytics, but Loggerway is really committed to that, and it's it's the Liverpool yeah. what they've been doing for a while. Well, that now. means, well, never mind. Miguel Barry, yeah. put him down. <laughs> we are t- not going to end on. But he Barry. didn't sign Miguel Barry. Can you put him down to the twos? Hey. I don't know. He's he honestly wouldn't start for a USL team. Yeah, I know. I know. I know this. No. I I know this. I'm, yeah. Because you're better than him, and you wouldn't start for a USL no, team. I would not. <laughs> not. Not at your age. Yeah. Once upon a time, I'm Mikey Dobbs. I'll yeah. just say like 60 seconds. <laughs> just because hey. I'd be like, hey, who is that guy for 60 seconds? Because the commentator said something. <laughs> but he there, ran around a lot. Yeah. He touched the ball. Right? Oh, man. At least you noticed him. That was a bad ACL tear. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thank you very much. See you next time. Have a good night.